Welcome to Conversations with Claire. I'm your host, Claire Bates. I'm a movement, nutrition, and mindset coach through my app, Wellness with Claire. Podcast host, coach at The Collective in Austin, Texas, sober alcoholic, brand builder, and competitive hybrid athlete. I've created this podcast to share inspiring stories and have meaningful conversations in hopes that we can create community together to learn and grow. Oh, and I hope to make you laugh. (laughs) Welcome to Conversations with Claire. Let's talk about coaching and how to get from where you are now to where you want to be. Wellness with Claire is my very own coaching platform where I offer personalized meal plans, personalized workout plans based on your goals, accountability through community and weekly group coaching calls, mindset coaching and tracking features for results. I also offer one-on-one coaching, which gives you full app access, direct access to me via WhatsApp and 100% accountability with me including weekly video calls. Wellness is a mental, physical, and spiritual experience. The system works together as a whole, and I'm here to help you live in alignment with your principles and values and actualize a quality of life beyond your current dreams. Check the show notes or the links in bios on socials to find more information about how to get involved with Wellness with Claire today. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Claire. Today, I have a guest that I am super stoked to introduce you guys to. You're going to get a lot of value out of whatever he has to say today. His name is Nick Gooden. So Nick is a husband and father. He is the COO and co-founder of Ice Barrel, which we'll get into more of that later. And he is a dynamic entrepreneur helping others untangle limiting beliefs to reach peak health and well-being. All of that being said, I'll take it to how did I meet Nick? How do I know Nick? So we actually met for the first time at the CrossFit Games this year, and then we have had the opportunity to spend a bit more time together. He recently did an event where he came to Austin, Texas, and I had the opportunity to attend and just spend some time with their team. And so we have spent a good chunk of time now really getting to know one another, and it's been such a blessing and such an honor. And it was immediate that I noticed that there were some things that were different about the way that he would speak about navigating life that perked my ears up. And I feel like every time I get to speak to him, I get to learn and, and he challenges me with his questions. And so anyways, I'm just so excited to share him with you guys today in this format. So all of that being said, hello, Nick, welcome to the pod. (laughs) Very excited to be here. Very honored feels like a, a blessing to spend a few minutes with you and really talk about things that you're passionate about too. So I wouldn't be here if this didn't align with what you're up to. Yeah. And the topic that I really wanted to kind of center today's conversation around is cultivating culture. And so cultivating culture within ourselves, within the ecosystem that we are in. So within our relationships with others within the workspace. I think that that's probably what we're going to spend a good chunk of time on today is because as I've spoken to you about what you guys are doing at Ice Barrel, I've just noticed there are so many things that you guys are very intentional 
with your actions, with everything that you do there from meetings and so on with your employees to your relationship to your client and just all of those things. And so there were probably things that made you head that direction. (laughs) Like if we're human, like everyone else, we like learning stuff the hard way. (laughs) So if you want to go ahead and just kind of walk us back to like pre-ice barrel Nick a bit. And then now if just kind of take off running. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. A friend of mine always says that from an early age, he had the haunting of leadership in that way. It's been around him his whole life, but it hasn't been good. And similarly, I relate to that. I think maybe many people that are listening can relate to being in a situation where they haven't been around a great leader or a great culture. You don't have to go very far, maybe junior high, high school. Those are great examples of like not so great leaders, you know, teachers, principals, stuff like that. Not all the time. I actually identify with two phenomenal leaders in my high school career, a couple of teachers that were just huge in investing in my life. But for the most part, there's been like these moments in life where you've either been under leadership or around leadership or around cultures that just weren't healthy. And for me, I'm like super inquisitive and I grew up just tearing things apart. And for me, like culturally, like watching this and kind of being able to go like 30,000 foot view, even though you're in the midst of it and you're frustrated and you feel all the like tension and like, I don't know, even poison of some of those cultures, being able to like remove myself. I can remember doing that from a very early age and just going, what's going on here? can we dial these knobs differently? Is there a way to make this better? Because this feels super unhealthy. People seem to be very reserved, held back, frustrated, competing against each other over things that really don't matter, really not supporting an overall vision. All these pieces of the puzzle, like seemed like everywhere I'd been, I'd seen this like similar story over and over again. And really it took for me all of these experiences, and then leading up to a time in my life where I had the opportunity to like really self-lead. I started a business, started a, like a film business, and really did a lot of amazing productions, a lot of commercials, wrote a lot of great stories, and got to tell some really amazing stories. And at the same time, as that being extremely successful, I was having a hard time with self-leadership. Yeah, I had a team. We were doing amazing work and they were doing amazing work. I felt like I was giving things away. I felt like I was doing the leader thing right. And what I realized was there, through a lot of like heartache, there were a lot of things in me that hadn't really been figured out yet. That I wasn't doing a good job leading because of that. And ultimately that venture, even though it was like wildly successful, I came to the point where I made a choice to like step back. As you and I have talked, we want to make this conversation super tactical, practical. And what it was for me at that time, I read the book, The Dip by Seth Godin, which really is a book about quitting. And at that point, I hadn't given myself permission to even entertain the idea of quitting this thing that had wrapped my identity up in because it was successful. And he talks about this analogy of a dip, like, and anything we do that's challenging and hard, we're going to go through a dip. We're going to have to push through the slog, climb up the hill, and get up to the top. And most people quit when it gets hard. I'm just not wired that way at all. 
And so if you're like me and you're wired to not quit when it gets hard, that also can be a curse because sometimes you can push through to areas that really aren't suited for you. And that's where I was. And in the book, I think he defines it this way. There's another analogy he uses instead of a dip, he calls it a cul-de-sac. And that's where I was. I was stuck in this cul-de-sac where I was like, okay, once we get to this point, we hire this next employee, then I can like give away more things and I won't be as busy and I won't have to do all these other things so I can focus on this other stuff. And really what it was is I was just burning myself out. And I kept telling myself when I get to this point, I was just chasing this cul-de-sac. And I kept feeling like it was linear, like I was moving towards something. But because I hadn't really done a lot of the work that I needed to do inside of me, I wasn't able to realize that. And so that, I wouldn't say like interpersonal implosion of being stuck and not figuring out how to get free from that and then ultimately choosing to quit was what really set me on this journey of discovery of like, how do we work as humans? So looking backwards again, at all of the experiences of bad leadership, bad culture, I realized for me at that point, there was a lot of bad leadership and culture of self-leadership, self-culture, the narratives that were, were going on inside of my mind, like all the things I was making up about how things should be, could be, things that were too precious to give away that only I could do, right? All these stories were holding me back from what I was really potentially made for within that space. And it took that what I would call a breakdown, that walk away from this thing that was really successful for me to like start this journey of self-leadership, of healing, really of like self-reflection. And again, I just dove into like neuroscience and behavioral health and therapy and trauma and shame and all the things to try to understand what's going on inside of me. And ultimately, that led me to executive coaching which I got to participate in walking alongside numerous teams, numerous individuals that were trying to like untangle all these narratives that were going on within the team, within the company, within the project, within the individual, at the individual level. And that practice really helped me realize that a lot of the things that I was going through, we're kind of all going through those things. They may look different, they may be different colors, but at the end of the day, they all really fit these same things of being human. And even fast forward even faster, when we started Ice Barrel, one of the things from the very beginning, when it was just like two or three of us that we wanted to do was build one of the world's best cultures for a team to be in. And getting all of these like principles, all these practices, rituals, routines that you know, I was really working hard within company structures that already existed to like get the team to implement. There was really no like upper level motivation, like just fix the team, make it better, make it work right. But there wasn't buy-in from enough people on the team for there to be cultural shift. And we can talk about why that is. So from the beginning, building a culture around some key principles at Ice Barrel has been like foundational. And now that our team has grown, it's about like, how do we keep reproducing it? How do we keep training leaders so that they can keep reproducing this kind of culture? And really, I'll say this, and, and I, I truly believe it, it's really hard to be a leader if you don't have self-leadership, if you don't have those tools 
to lead yourself, to catch yourself, to listen to your narratives, to even like question your narratives, to be flexible enough to kind of explore. Now you might be able to get a lot of things done. You might be able to drive a team and like drive revenue, but that's not leadership in my opinion. Well, and it sounds like you did the thing, like the hamster wheel almost of this is what I am doing. This is what society is telling me I should be doing. And especially if you're executing it relatively well from an outsider's perspective, then you're getting this external validation that you're doing it well. And then you're like, but wait a second, this doesn't feel right. And that's a hard fight to be in, but it's also a fight that most people find themselves in at some point or another. And then where do we go from there? And so while you were speaking, it made me think of one of Derek Wida's phrases, I just love so much, too stupid to quit. (laughs) And as you were talking about, you know, that you're so hard headed that sometimes you're just too stupid to quit. And anyway, just another thing I was reading earlier that was just talking about that, uh, you know, successful people, one of the things that they learn to do is when it is time to move on. And when it is time to stop doing the thing you were doing, it doesn't serve the purpose anymore. It doesn't align with you anymore. And giving yourself the space to be able to grow and change and be like, okay, you know what? That was my thing. That was what I did. That was my identity, whatever. It doesn't align anymore. And I get to be an ever evolving human. And I don't have to just be that just because it's what I was. You know, athletes find themselves in that predicament all the time after they come out of their athletic career and they're forced into a new identity. There's so many different stages of life where this stuff occurs, you know, so that happens to you and then you decide to walk away. And so we talked about tangibles is going to be a really big thing. And this executive coaching thing is something you've mentioned multiple times. And I guess I just maybe want to dive a little bit further into like when you reach that point where you said, uh, uh-uh. This is not working for me anymore. What specifically did you do about it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is everybody's journey is going to be the same. So I'll just kind of break it down to like maybe four or five points. One, I took some time to heal. So that looked like stopping a lot of the activities that I was doing in the sense of like thriving, hustling kind of mode. It took about two years to do some healing. As a part of that process, the next was really diving into like expanding what I knew about. Like I knew this world and it wasn't working. So what else is out there? That seems a little vague. I mean, the way I was doing life and I was like really hungry. Is there anything else that I can do? And I, I would say part of it, I was primed to notice things. And part of it, I would say was a little bit of luck because there was just some moments where I said yes to some activities, some opportunities. And I got to be around some people that thought differently. I got to be around like some training tools that were just, you know, like I'd never been introduced to that helped me learn more about how I operate as a human. And I think the other thing was taking a step back And through like counseling and therapy, seeing how much of my identity was tied up in what I do. So here's something super tactical, practical. There are like three things, and there's probably more, but three that I notice the most in people that really drive us, that sit underneath a lot of um, what drives us. And these are I am statements. 
I am who people say and think I am. I am what I do. I am what I have. So, and those things can kind of like be all. You can be like really, really latent in one, like one you don't, doesn't happen very often. Certain things can trigger other ones, but one of them is usually the driver. And for me, it was like, I am what I do and I am what I have. Those two are really driving. And a little bit of the I am what people say and think I am sneaks in from time to time. And I think taking a step back and finding how much of my identity was wrapped up in these like things I was doing. This is like, I don't know how to explain this besides just saying I was coming home to myself. That there was a part of me that had like ventured away from like accepting who I was, accepting the way I thought about things. And while I was still very creative, there's this part of me that's like very kid, playful, just kind of wildly mind, like just the craziest ideas. And I had kind of pushed that away at some point and said that that's not safe, that that's not healthy. I think there'd been like some trauma around that as well, but definitely really, truly a part of me. And I think part of that was coming back to that stuff as well and just releasing this, I am who people say and think I am and just kind of letting that go and letting myself be a little more free in that area. If anybody's listening and, and they identify to one of those, the question would be, okay, why? Why is it that that's there? Because there's some part of that that's actually really good, that keeps you alive, that keeps you safe, right? Don't need to go and tear these walls down and then all of the stuff in life just flood in, right? They're there for a reason. Just experiment with it. Why is it there? What is it doing? And there's usually four things that kind of drive us and there's the somatic markers or what they're called. And they're look good, feel good, be right, and be in control. I'll say it again. Look good, feel good, be right, be in control. And they kind of sit on top of those I am statements. And they're triggered and they're old and they're tied to um, like old stories about what gets us ahead in life or what keeps us safe in life. And sometimes they're tied to trauma. Sometimes they're tried, tied to like what made us really feel good as a kid. And the question I would ask anybody if they if they're in a place similar to what I was describing earlier and you feel trapped or stuck or you're just not getting where you're going, there's probably a story or a lot of stories that you're telling yourself about how the world works, how things are, or I am just this kind of person. I just had somebody tell me the other day, they're like, I'm always a person that goes all in. That's awesome. That also could have a shadow side to it where there's a version where you need to not be a person that goes all in to get where you're going. So this is the question I would ask oneself is, is the story I'm telling myself right now getting me where I want to go? Yeah, everyone could just sit with that for some time. I could sit with that for some time. Because when you get asked who you are, I mean, I literally sent you a bio to send back to me for this. And you had to say who you are, right? People are constantly asking us who we are, and we so often lead with what we do or our familial status, you know, and that's okay. It's just such interesting food for thought to think, what is my identity? 
I mean, I'm ultimately just a human. It's been so funny as I've been in this giant transition period this year is that I'm just a human (laughs) existing on this planet, (laughs) trying to navigate this thing. (laughs) That's probably the simplest form because any other I am is either something we're projecting or something that's been projected onto us. There's probably no simpler form than I am human. Yeah. And we're so desperate, whether we like it or not, to be seen and for brother's approval and all that good stuff, you know, so you're supposed to have an answer, right? And ideally it's one that makes you look cool, <laughs> but like not having it, it's, it's just, it has been quite interesting for me personally this past year to just truly be like, I mean, I have certain certifications and I can do a lot of things, but as for what I, I mean, I, my answer just cracks me up because I'm like, uh <laughs> I'm a person doing a handful of different things. We'll see. But like, I feel actually really okay with that. I think it makes other people very uncomfortable. And don't get me wrong. There are still plenty of times where I start to like grasp or like, okay, I'm going to answer in this way, you know? And as I am exploring currently some opportunities here, then I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll probably lead with that then if that's what I choose to do. Cause then I'm suddenly affiliated with this brand in this way, you know, whatever. It's just like you said, it's simply something not good or bad to be aware of, of, okay, if this is what I identify as, why do I identify that way? And is it serving me? And does it align with my values? And what principles exist around this and stuff like that? I mean, I I love that. I love that. And those four, what did you call those again? Somatic markers. You know, the sense of safety. Yeah. I mean, they're just, they run. If you imagine like a lazy river, it's just moving along, right? You're just sitting and floating along. They're the jets that kind of run under under the current and push the water along. And we all have them. Think about like, look good, right? Like you're walking out of a gym or you're walking out of the store and you trip a little bit. Subconsciously, you didn't even think about this. You look around to see who's looking, right? Like who just noticed that? Because, right? These things are very deep. They're very old. They're very subconscious. And all we're trying to do is bring awareness to where they're at, what they're doing, why they're there. No bad, no good, like you said, but understanding why. Why do they exist in our lives? And I'm not saying it's impossible that someone can't do this on their own. They can, but you've been in your head a long time. Look, if you're 41 like me, you've been in your head, you know, 41 years. And even pre-verbal, before you were verbal, before you probably had conscious thoughts, there were things getting wired up from your early holding environment that you don't even realize that were being wired up around whether you felt safe or whether you felt like you had to cry out to get attention. All these things are still there. Again, no bad, no good. But if we want to get to the next thing and we feel like we can't get there, we have to really slow down. And sometimes we need some help to investigate what's holding us back. And it's really not hard to find. And I'll tie this back into your early question. It seems weird to talk about this in the perspective of business, right? Like, hey, we're running a company and like there's revenue and there's all these sales channels and marketing and all these things. Like, But at the end of the day, we're humans serving humans. And for too long, and I get why it happens, right? The bigger you get as a company, you need to put systems in place. We live in this industrial age where we, as 
students have been taught to sit down, shut up, raise your hand, don't ask for help, don't talk to your neighbor, don't collaborate. The very like almost life-defining moment of your life you do alone, your SAT, like, and you don't get to ask for help and you get one shot. All this thing's built around perfection and, and then you move into a system that's built around silos and perfection and performance and we're all thinking that it goes this way and then we get into the job or the place and it everything around us confirms that it should go this way and it's not very human unfortunately and again i get why it works right it's very efficient for you know the spreadsheets and all the things that make everybody happy <laughs> making money maybe would be one of those things but at the end of the day i mean look the great resignation look at all the mental health issues that are going on right now in the workplace if the pandemic did anything it kind of awoken that right that sense of like wait something's off here something isn't right fundamentally and i think those of us that are leaders in entrepreneurial spaces we have a responsibility if we notice this to build something different even if we don't know what to do to ask for help to reach out to other entrepreneurs that were like what are they doing and why is it different and to learn how to build a culture that where people feel very fulfilled they get to walk home at the end of the day and they feel like what they did was significant that it went out and made a difference in the world and they're proud of the way this is the hinge not what they did the way of being that they had why they were doing it so let's see with that, I, I want to go into why Ice Barrel, <laughs> what Ice Barrel, why Ice Barrel, and things like that. But I also just want to simply touch on, I made a post on social media about this this morning. It's just been something I've been thinking about. And you've touched on it. You know, executive coaching was a piece of your healing journey. And that's something that you, you know, coaching is just a big piece of all of it. And so in that post that I made, I reminded myself and whoever read it, you know, that I remember coming into a gym facility for a number of years, not having played sports growing up, just not really being a coachable individual. And what I did for years was coaches would come to me and attempt to give me cues and corrections and I immediately was, it was an either I can't, or I understand that this is bad or wrong, but this is just how I do it. I mean, it was an immediate, I need to justify my action. And I think with that specific situation, there's a piece of that for me at that time that was simply a lack of belief in self. Like I truly didn't think that I was capable of doing it right, like ever you know? So, okay, I just have to like explain to you why I'm behaving this way. So we can take this and apply this to any facet of life. But I remember after four years of showing up there doing that thing, finally seeing a shift internally where it was like, wait a second, what if I actually listen and try to implement the cue? What if I am the person that is actually capable of improving that pattern. And so that's just one specific isolated space in which that occurred. 
but then we can spread it all over the place. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> because what has happened now, yeah, it's, and I mean, and guys, for anyone listening, I mean, I was well into my 20s at that point too. So this was not like, we can learn new and different stuff at any time. And so now whenever I think about people that I admire and, or just, you know, my own behaviors, I just am always thinking, be coachable, be coachable. And so right now I get this honor of getting to train with these athletes within the CrossFit space that are really good. And I love how receptive they are to coaching cues from me and how they give them to me. And we have a coach, you know, and he comes over and he talks to us about, and so that's just one space, but I love how that's just kind of grown into this thing of now I want to be coached in my spiritual life. So I have someone, I have more than just someone, but I have a couple of people in particular that I can think of that I allow to kind of like help me navigate that because I'm new there too. And then, you know, certainly within the gym with my own diet, I'm somebody who has a ton of head knowledge at this point on what the right things are to do and the ability to apply them to myself is still an ongoing journey and it always will be. But being coachable in that space, even now as I'm entertaining, I am starting to actually work with clients in the coaching fitness space, which is really cool because I have been holding a handful of certifications there to just so to start to use them is exciting. But I've already enlisted a coach to coach me through that. Specifically, I want to deliver. I just want that help. I understand movement patterns really well. I hold three certifications in that space. Like I under, but like I still want to be coached to get better, you know? So anyway, it's just, we can go all over the place with it, but it's, it's a really cool shift to be, to understand the value in being coachable. And I think there's a piece of that being coachable that hopefully you hold on to forever. That is simply the belief in your own ability to change and to learn and to grow. Like you have to believe that you're capable in order to receive the coaching. And if I can say anything, like I just beat it into y'all's brains. Anytime you listen to me, it's that you are you simply are. The narrative that people cannot change, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not doing it. I feel like living proof that's not true. I think there's a phrase you said at the beginning of this statement, which is what if. And even just that phrase, if there's anything that I would hang my hat on at the end of the day, I think being coachable or being willing to learn, like always wanting to learn, but just assuming that I might not know. One of the practical things, like I have a to be list and write down these like principles that I'm working on. They're kind of like practices, like dribbling basketball. Every once in a while it gets away from you, right? Because you try a new move with it and you're like, oh shoot, that didn't work. And it's okay. A little bit of grace there. And one of those is this idea of always being like wildly curious, like giving myself permission to like even be wrong. Remember, look good, feel good, be right, and be in control. This be right, that one right there triggers dopamine in the brain just like sex drugs rock and roll it's all of it in one it's like the highest release of dopamine so of course we want to be right and even if being right is us just not getting off like your narrative like even though you were being right about something that was holding you back it was more valuable to be right and but here's the question this is the tool it's like what am I getting out of being right? Like get really curious in that. Like by being right, and let's play with it. Like, can we go back to that time for you for a minute and go, what were you getting out of being right? Like, and another way of asking that question that you could ask yourself 
is be really playful with it and imagine I like it this way. I like being the one that does it wrong. Like, Why would I like being that way? There's no reason to be that way unless you're getting something out of it. And I'll just, I'll stand on that. I could be wrong on that. Open to being wrong on that. But most of the time, the change we seek in life, it's not that far away. It's usually right here within us, right? It's not like, I mean, yeah, you might need to get on an airplane and fly somewhere and go be with some people you've never been with before and get some new experiences. That might be true. But a lot of times it's right within you. So for you, Claire, what was it at that time that you, what were you getting out of being that this is the way, this is all I can do? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And I don't know that I have the full answer. I mean, at, at first glance, my thought is getting the heat off, <laughs> you know, getting them to move on, get away from me. I know I'm doing it wrong. Stop looking at it. You know, like, why am I justifying just so that we can stop doing this? Cause I know I'm doing it wrong. And this is an uncomfortable situation for me. And I'm just here, <laughs> you know, so stop looking. I don't know. That's my first glance. If we dive deeper, it's just like that one challenging question you gave me while you were in Austin recently that I, I actually that evening was you said, what is something that you're not doing that you're scared to do, you know, that, that you should do? And I'm just like, <laughs> I do scary stuff all the time. I ain't scared of nothing. And then the next day I saw you and I was like, I figured it out. I got it. Oh my gosh, light bulb. Okay. There is something I'm avoiding. There is. And so sometimes maybe you have to sit with stuff for a bit. So there's my first glance answer, but I'm sure there's more to it. Yeah, no, it's a good answer. So there could be a lot of little things to explore in there. And the one thing I always tell people is that if you're willing to explore and really go deep, and again, whether that's with a coach, um, and I love how you talk about multiple coaches in life, like you can have a coach for lots of areas of life. And if you're someone that's consider yourself at any level a high performer, and you think about any pro athlete, they have coaches for all kinds of things. So why wouldn't you have coaches for all kinds of things? You might need to sit with somebody. Yeah. And if you just want to navigate your relationship with your spouse better, you might need a coach for that. And even if you don't need a coach for it, you'll probably benefit from having a coach for it. So if you want to be better with your money, maybe you have somebody who you aspire to be like actually help you with that. You know, I mean, you could literally, like you said, you could apply it so many different directions, but high performers have figured that out and they have a ton of them. But to that person that doesn't define themselves as a high performer today, maybe you just start with one in one area. That's a great place to start and you are totally capable. Yeah. Or even a friend that's willing to challenge you to ask the what if questions, right? And just to be with you and hear it for the first time, that could be pretty powerful. And some people may say, well, I don't, I don't have a friend like that. Well, could you find a friend like that? Yeah. Or what if you be a friend like that? That's a good one too. That's a really great way to find that friend is just to be that friend. Yeah. So I thought we might go here and I'm going to, I'm going to bring up this because we keep talking about being a little bit. And so this is a little tool that everybody can do at home really easily. If they just take a, a pen and paper and draw like a line down the center of the paper. And so you got two columns and on one column, I'm going to just give you these three words and you're going to write these down and it's going to be do and then give yourself some space and then write have, and then about three quarters away down the page, write be, do, have, be. Okay, so that's column on the left side. And that's how most of us operate. It's uh, we go do this thing and then like, let's say we go work really hard and we get a degree and then we have the job, right? 
no bad. That's how most of us do life. And there's nothing wrong with it. Unless we go and do these things and we have it and it doesn't work out. And then we think, oh, I got to go do again. I got to go do these things so I can have peace. So I can have an identity. So I can have love. So I can belong, right? All these things. And then what happens is every time something doesn't work in a relationship, then we just recycle back around and start doing things again. Well, maybe I got to do the same thing. That's what most people do. They just do the same thing and they expect the result to come out again. Or they might do something new, but then it all hinges on them doing. Nothing about their way of being has changed in the scenario, right? So on the other column, we're going to write be, do, have. Same space. Be, do, have. Last time, be, do, have. Now, the difference here is that we're just going to put the being first. And this can like super tactical, practical. It's like getting up in the morning. My friend Sean has uh, taught me this. He does a to-do list and he does a to-be list. Like, who do I need to be? How do I have to be in my day for these tasks that I have? And at the end of the day, yeah, I might get through all my tasks and I may feel like really happy, like a fleeting feeling of like I accomplished everything, but truthfully, I'm not satisfied, deeply satisfied, right? But this way of being, so maybe today, the way you need to be is courageous and confident and curious, right? Choosing that intention first thing in the day, this is, those are kind of like bigger esoteric like ways of being. This could also be like Claire decides I'm going to be a podcaster. Now, Claire could go do all the podcasting school that she wants, you know, like take all the courses and like hire all these people and do all this stuff, right? Like maybe some of that you need, right? Nothing wrong. And then now you're a podcaster. Or you could choose, I'm going to be a podcaster. And what do podcasters do? They do these things. They have regular recordings. They publicize what they're doing. They have a topic. They have some PR. You know, they have these things. And the have doesn't matter. Um, the do doesn't matter. You got to do and have. But if something breaks down, something falls apart, right? You have a bad guest. Someone leaves a poor review. Someone's, it's not going to change that you're not a podcaster. You're going to still get to be a podcaster. This gets bigger because I could be loved, right? I don't have to go do all these things to be loved. I can be loved. I get it. I know I'm oversimplifying it, but difference is, is that it puts authority in my shoes. It puts agency in my shoes. On this other side of the column, it's usually the victim story. It didn't go my way. It didn't work out the way I wanted it to. Blah, blah, blah. This person did that. They did this. The company, the organization, the group. I'm out of here. And then I'm going to start all over and regenerate a future that I just existed in. Where is in the be, do, have? I get to regenerate a future each day. I get to choose each day that I have agency as I move into my day. I have agency as I move into the next meeting. And guess what? You can be halfway through the day and things have gone really poor. And then you can choose to, whoa, 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 slow down. Who am I going to be? I could choose to shift right now and be kind and be courteous and be restful if need be. I can choose that right now. Right? So it's a choice and I have agency. But the other 
Again, nothing wrong with it, just it usually ends up with a repeat of the old stories, the old future, just coming back around again and again and again. And sadly, so often it's pain that gets us there. But at the end of the day, you still get the opportunity to make the decision at any moment that you actually want to have agency. And then boom, you can literally have agency. Like it's like this beautiful thing where you can decide that I'm not a victim anymore. And then you're not a victim anymore. And that doesn't mean that you don't have stuff that you need to deal with. (laughs) But the way that you perceive it is your choice. Right. Okay, so we have to pivot over to Ice Barrel. We got to go there. So I want to know now, so you decide to quit this thing that's just not really aligning anymore, even though you've, you know, reached some levels of success and that's your identity. And now you are going to go figure it out. So you do a couple years of really intentional healing work and you get acquainted with yourself. You start to understand your own values and your own principles that you want to live by. And now it's time to stick those somewhere professionally because that's what we do. We are human and that's actually a very healthy way to to take that is go take those things you figured out and learned and go make them a part of your life and every facet of your life, including the one that makes money. (laughs) So that'll, how did Ice Barrel come to be a thing for you? And then we can kind of talk more about culture within Ice Barrel, but like why even cold therapy? I mean, why did you decide to do this? Yeah, I think it does start with the question of why cold therapy? You know, as part of my journey, I think for healing, a lot of it was like, you know, I have four kids, I have a wife, we both ran and owned businesses, and there's a lot of moving parts. And I've learned a lot about naturally, I can very focus in, can become zoomed in on a project or a task. And I think as growing up as an only child, I think that's part of it is I can just get really focused and need that space. And I think one of the things I realized is I wanted more mental resiliency in my life and I needed some tools to build that in so that I could become who I was becoming. Like I I knew who I wanted to be and I was like, okay, well, who do I know that's doing this? Who do I respect that seems to have a lot of mental resiliency? And I just started searching for people that were doing that. And somehow I, I found Eric Hinman. This is like 2016 or so. And I heard a podcast that was really old. Like, I mean, it's really old now. And it was like just a small little, I don't even know what it was. It wasn't a very big podcast. You know, one of the things he talked about in there was cold therapy. I instantly just dove in at first. I didn't even know why I was doing it. I mean, I didn't know the benefits of it. Let's just say, I just knew I was feeling better. I started off with cold showers and I like literally was like a closet cold shower guy. I wasn't telling anybody because it seemed so weird. Nobody I knew was doing cold therapy. This is probably like, I think it was before that. It was like 17, 16, 17, somewhere in there. It was really early. And then I was like, okay, I got to go to the next level. And luckily where I trail run, we have a lot of like uh, streams and creeks and stuff like that. So we would just jump in there. The summer months would get too hot. And then I'll fast forward. That's how I got into cold therapy, just started doing it and fell in love with it and loved how it shifted and rewired my biology and my mental resiliency and my grit and create a lot more like ability to find peace in the moments of stress in life. So fast forward to Ice Barrel. So at the time, I really had come to the the place where part of my healing journey was, I'll go out on a branch for one second, is like, I think we all go through this 
in life, at least now in the way that like we talk so much about purpose. I went through this phase where it was like, I got to find my purpose, got to find my one thing, my true thing, right? And uh, while I think there is something to that, it also like feels like I won't be okay if I don't find my purpose. And what part of my coaching that I was going through at the time, one of my coaches and mentors helped me really to find that at the core, I had these center things that I was always being. And one of those was storytelling. One of those was coaching. And one of those was like creating, gathering, bringing people together, connecting. Like as long as I'm doing those things, I'm on fire. Watch out, right? And at the time, I was looking to create something that was very similar to that description of all those pieces. And what it looked like was probably like a contrast therapy, like a mobile contrast therapy. And which for those listening who are not familiar, sorry, contrast therapy is hot and cold therapy back. Yeah. To back. So like sauna, it could be a hot tub, but at the time, what I was looking at was sauna. And so went off the deep end, learned a bunch about sauna because I already knew a bunch about cold, then decided we were going to do a minimal viable product test here in our local market, similar to what CJ has there in your market but I didn't want to buy anything. So a minimal viable product would be like, how do we do it for free or pretty close to it? And a friend of mine and I, we bought an ice barrel and that's how I, I met Wyatt. Like very early on, this was like really before the marketing took off and all the, all the pieces were in place. And I'll fast forward this part of the story. Wyatt and I met a few times, like on a couple phone calls. And then he happened to be in Illinois where I lived and we met up for lunch. And he was like, hey, could you come in and like do some work with us, do some coaching and and work, help us build out our mission, vision, values? And I was like, yeah, that's what I do. I love that work. And I didn't know at the time that he had been searching for a co-founder. And a long story short is we did about three or four months of work together. And then he proposed the idea of me coming in and helping to build out the team and really build what we have today. So that's how and a little bit of why. If that doesn't get you in your feels, I don't know what will. That is so freaking cool. You did such hard work. You did multiple years of hard work. And then this thing occurred. And now you get this purpose driven. You're touching on all those things. That's pretty dope. Because <laughs> with Ice Barrel, those things you said you think you need to do, you're literally doing no, them. You're right. I feel so grateful for what I'm getting to do right now. And I've, I've told really, really close friends that have been along this journey with me, that this is the most significant work I've ever gotten to do in my life for a lot of reasons. There's part of me that can like look back at all the steps that got me here and say like, oh, there's this lot of luck and all this stuff. I mean, there's probably some of that. I will tell anybody out there that just wants to like chalk it up to luck. There was a lot of preparation and there was a lot of rooms I was in that I was standing for certain things and fighting for certain things that I was in the wrong room. And I was like ostracized, shunned, you know, have you ever been told you're too passionate <laughs> when you're fighting for what you really- Too much. I get told I'm too yeah, much. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. You want to water down the Claire? I don't think so. Come on. Yeah. That's not the right room. You're in the <laughs> wrong the right room. <laughs> room. And I fought through a lot of the wrong right. rooms for years. And, you know, I think also just making choices to stand for what you believe in as you're finding out what you're choosing to be and standing for that over and over again. And someone's going to recognize, and I, I will say that I can say this, that Wyatt went home from when we had, uh, had our first meeting and he told us his wife, he's like, if it ain't Nick, it ain't anybody. 
And that, that means so much to me because it was like he recognized the, the work that I'd put in. And no matter where I was going to show up, I was going to show up this way because I knew what we were, what I was wanting to build, whether that was here or somewhere else. And luckily, all the pieces lined up to build it here. Yep. You built yourself into the person that attracted this thing. Yeah. Totally believe in that. And then your presence in the room was noticed. Yeah. That's just so cool. It's crazy. It's crazy because I look at the rooms I'm in all the time now and I'm like, what? Like, they want me here? But then it's like, yeah, homegirl, you're doing the hard work. That's why. Oh, oh, that's cool. And we are not at like destination perfection ever, 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 ever. But we have come a long way. And previous versions of me did not get to be in those rooms because I hadn't done the work yet. And that's okay. Yeah. I will say that coming back to my authentic self, and that's super vague. I know I won't take the time to unpack that. But coming back to my authentic (laughs) self... You can go listen to a recent episode with Aaron Monson if you want to unpack authentic yeah, self. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. The short version is I think all throughout our lives we experience things and they could be traumas and they could just be moments that tell us the way we're being is not acceptable, not approved. I mean, some of that's good. Like if you're rude to people and you learn not to be rude to people, that's probably a good thing. But there is a part of me, that journey of healing, that coming back to myself Like I couldn't be doing the work I'm doing right now. You wouldn't want me doing this work because I would be messing it all up. And that started a long time ago. So I think the encouraging thing is, is like, if you're not happy with where you are, figure out what it is to be. Like, who do you want to be? And that, again, you might need some support to find that. And not, I'm not talking about the job or the role, because it might not look like what you thought it would look like. I didn't think it would look like this. And I can't even imagine, right? Claire, you are you can't even imagine like what is going on? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then you partner up and now you are co-founder of Ice Barrel, which is a product that exists in the market that is amazing. That is cold therapy and it's wonderful. And I will say for somebody just for my own personal, like I just started to experiment with cold therapy this year. And I now do cold therapy on average, probably three times a week at this time. And I love it. And you want to talk about like, I feel like the building resiliency thing is, is like, I'm so excited to see where it goes. Like I'm already so pleased with the results that I've gotten from it so far. And I know that I'm only really scratching the surface with it is, is how I feel. And even if it's just this and it doesn't get any better, it's still amazeballs. <laughs> so like, I'm really okay with that. But I mean, yeah, the resiliency and also then just the physiological benefits and things, it's just, just a really cool thing. So what you're doing, and I love at least here at Austin, it's so buzzy. Like it's like the cool thing to do right now. And I couldn't love that more. And I'm so hopeful that it's like that elsewhere. And if not, then let's fix it <laughs> because it is just adds to quality of life. If you are able to face situations and handle them better. I mean, that's just so any, I don't want to hijack that because this is literally your story with that specifically. But then I, I do, we have to get into the culture within your company because that's something that those are the conversations that have stood out to me of like how you approach your meetings with your employees and things like that. They're just specific things that you're doing, tangible actions that you are taking on a regular basis that stand out to me 
as different. You are building a culture that is different and you're seeing success, which is like really cool. Yeah, thank you. First of all, I mentioned mission, vision, values, and I'm not saying that a team or a company that that already exists doesn't already have mission, vision, values, and a team that exists that doesn't have mission, vision, values can't like apply mission, vision, values in their culture. But at the heart of who a team is, you have to have these like core governing principles that like are above the founders. They call everyone up to the way it's supposed to be, right? So at iSparrow, we have four key values or core values, we call them. And each one of those, we practice them and we invest in our team consistently around them to be able to help each of us grow in them. Like just because it's our value doesn't mean it's just gonna work. It means we have to put the practice in, we have to put the work in, we have to put a ton of intentionality in. And they're not just like, on a wall somewhere. I mean, we're all remote, so there is no wall for them to all be on. So I'll give you the four values. First one is be wildly courageous. The next one is live mindfully. The next one is to lead with the heart. And the last one is to be playfully curious. So each one of these values, we're putting work in each day to make sure that that our team is growing in them. And I'll give you a couple like simple tools that we do. First of all, like we always, under the live mindfully, we always start a meeting with some sort of check-in. And this could be as simple as like, what are you grateful for today? Let's slow down. This could be simple as a breath work. Like, let's just do a box breath. Let's get everybody connected. But most of the time we do what we call the peace scale. A scale of one to 10. 10 being like your most peaceful self. And one being like, your hair's on fire, like that little red guy from Inside Out, the cartoon Inside Out. Like you are stressed out. This does two things for the team. It allows us to connect to each other, to constantly be able to get to know each other. It creates a level of vulnerability on the team where we can build more and more trust. And it also allows the person who maybe like, you're at a four, a three, a five, for us just to check in and go, whoa, do you even need to be in this meeting? What do you need right now? And how can we facilitate that, right? Is it just, you just need to be heard? Is this something you want us to feel? Or is this something you need help fixing? Something, this is a great thing if you're in a relationship. And if you're a fixer, to ask this question is, is this something you want me to feel? Or is it something you want me to fix? Yeah, I'm a fixer. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Let me give you some tools. I don't want your tools. Right, right. It may just be like, hey, today's rough and I don't want it fixed. I want to actually be here but I'm having a rough day. Totally cool. But I've had oftentimes where we've had team members go like, actually, I have this thing coming up in an hour. I'm really worried about it. I don't feel prepared. Okay, fine. Let's do your thing in five minutes in the call and everything else will just slack you. All good. You don't need to be here. Don't be here. Go get that thing, right? And most times, you know, like it's just a check-in. Where's everybody at? We do that almost every call. Some sort of check-in at the beginning of the call. Another tool that we use sometimes at the end of the call Especially if like, there's been a lot of push and pull, a lot of ideation, a lot of creativity. This team is extremely collaborative with their creativity. But at the end of the day, I know that some people are going to be a little bit quiet. Some people are going to be really excited about their ideas and take up more time in the call than maybe another person. So at the end of the call, we could even start a call with this. It's what are you most excited about and what are you most afraid of? 
it's used generally related at the end of the call to what the call was about. And what more times than not, we find that what are you most afraid of reveals the thing that people have been holding back. Most of self-coaching is all in language. Like, what am I telling myself? What am I telling others? What am I thinking about? What language am I using to describe what's happening? And I know on our teams, if we can get people to share what's actually happening for them, even if it's make-believe, they make it up and then they believe it in a moment, like, hey, this is going to go really bad because we don't have enough of this and we, it's too short notice. Well, okay, cool. Let's explore that together as a team. Like, is that true? And another tool we use a lot in a situation like that where someone may have a belief like this is going to go really poorly. We don't have enough time. We're not organized on this and it's going to be really expensive, right? This tool, my, one of my really dear friends, Jillian taught me this. It's this series of two questions. Do I know this to be true? And right after that, usually it's like, well, I think it's true, but I mean, I actually don't have enough proof to know that it's true. And then the second question, which is the most important, what else could be true about this? Right now we get to explore other possibilities. Well, it could be true that everything will go right. That's a very simplified version of it. But is, the more we can play with that, and then you just keep asking that question, well, do you know that to be true? Well, no, I actually don't know that to be true, but what else could be true? Well, it also could be true that this and this happened. And more times than not, I find that someone has within their power a solution right away that like this story that i've made up i actually just need to go take action ask a question make a phone call do something that feels a little hard that i've been avoiding that might be a little risky so a lot of the work that we try to do around our values within the team is to create trust and vulnerability so that we can really bring out these narratives that are going on so that we can really function in our highest form as a team when I think about all of these things that you're implementing within your team, I think it just is like you started with self and then you expanded, you know? So you got these awarenesses within yourself and you started to do these inventories within your own brain. And then you started to recognize what if I implement these within the workspace and teach these tools to other people? Now they can go home and navigate their own lives in a better way but we can navigate this workspace thing together in a better way. And that's beautiful. You're 100% nailing it. Yeah. I don't believe there is like work-life balance. Yes, there might be areas of life that like just, they don't really quite cross over, you know? Like, but when are you never not a whole person? You're always all of these stories and narratives and pieces and bits Everywhere you're at, I mean, yeah, you might show up at the gym and be the gym Claire, and you might go out for coffee and be chill and be the chill Claire. Uh, that's okay. But all those stories are still in you. And push comes to shove when the frustration shows up, right? When something you've been tolerating shows up and is starting to really like raise the pressure in your life. It doesn't matter if you're at home or if you're at work. If the place you get to go to work, you actually get to heal. And actually that healing isn't just so that we make more money as a brand, that it actually means that you as an individual, the rest of your life, this healing journey, it may be like continual. You might need to keep untangling these stories in your life, but it's going to keep evolving. It's going to keep spreading in all these areas of your life. Yeah, I just think about that, I think regularly. <laughs> 
my friends here since I have moved here not that long ago we're all like newer and I love that their comments recently I've I've gotten like I'll just be talking to them about some situation in life right and I I do this a lot with people I'm like I'm just gonna address the elephant in the room and even if the elephant in the room is not like a bad elephant but he's just there and we know he's there and I'm like I'm just gonna address the elephant in the room whatever I have to say and then okay so instead of not talking about this and developing out my own narrative Let's talk about this. And I've referenced situations where I'm doing that because I practice that a lot these days. And they're like, oh, you're just like really good at that. Like you're really good at that. And then I think about it and I'm like, because I started to address the elephant in the room in my own brain a year and a half ago, you know, I started to take a look at her and I mean, it was gnarly bad. It was not a good place. It was not comfy. And so, and when I talk about mindfulness today and spending time inside my own brain, it's a very intentional daily practice. You don't need a whole lot of time there to come up with some good stuff. But anyway, yeah, if we just, if we do draw that back, all of this cultural stuff that you have now taken and implemented into the workspace and you are teaching those tools to others that they are then now able to take and implement into their own lives within themselves, within their relationships with others, it's just such a beautiful thing. So I appreciate the work that you're doing there. And I think that also it's just cool to note that you can have those principles and values truly driving your company that ultimately does need to make money and you can do both. And I, and I think that that's just a big thing is that I think that almost it feels like when your values are so altruistic or whatever, you know, then it's like, well, then you're not supposed to have money attached to that. But like, we all have to make money. Like we all do, you know, and if you can align those things, that's the good spot. So I think that there's almost this culture of shame to a degree around whenever you start to make money off of your thing that improves your quality of life. And I'm like, hold up. No, no, no. That's the goal. Yeah, I don't disagree. There's an assessment tool out there that's around our motivations. And I actually didn't think I identified with being motivated by motivated by money. I've always told myself that. I actually spent quite a few years in the missions, in missions work in south of Texas in Mexico. For most of my life, I've just told myself I'm not motivated by money. But I realized there actually is a motivation to take care of my family, to grow, like, and for them to have opportunities that I didn't have. There's a lot of motivation under all of that, even if I want to make up that it's altruistic. There's really not like purely altruistic in my, as I look at my own life. Yeah. I mean, you and I both live in the United States of America. And in order to live here, like, you have to have money to do it, you know? But I do find, at least for myself at this point, that I don't worry about it much. And I do truly believe that if I continue to show up and add value and, and do the best that I can there and care about other people, that it'll all take care of itself. And like, it literally works. Like it, that actually, that I've been testing that theory for a while and like it works, but it's completely okay to like understand that it has this essential role in life and that's okay. Yeah. Again, I think anytime we take something and we make it like really, really good or really, really bad there's probably some sort of suffering that's coming. I know we're getting close to time here, so I'll try to keep it short, is that just because something could be really, really good for us in life, if we have too much of it, if we make such a big deal, and this goes back to that identity thing, we make such a big deal about it, what happens when it goes away? So I'm talking about the good things, and what happens when it goes away? We could go really off the deep end here and talk about relationships and family. These things are scary. They're real. It doesn't mean that you're like heartless to say like, what would I do if, if everything in my life disappeared right now? That I, I 
could give you as like all these things that I'm grateful for. At the same time, we could also make something really, really bad, like money. It's a bad, bad thing, right? And that's not good because there's suffering that's coming. So I'm not saying like everything in your life has to be super neutral. There's probably some things, and I could come up with a couple of them, that you could easily be like, yeah, that's pretty bad. Like, we don't do that. But I'm not talking about like moral bad. I'm talking about like how we entangle all these things that seem to be like things we identify in life as a part of our lives. They're in our lives, but we're calling them bad, right? Like food, right? Could be something we consider bad. Like there's all these bad things about food or really good things about food. There's both ends of the spectrum. And the more like we can kind of come off this, come off the far ends, come to the middle, in my opinion, hopefully that answers your question a little bit. Yeah, well, and that just takes you to a piece, a place of ideally, you know, a more peaceful existence is how I feel with that. Okay, so we do have to head now to, I've got a question that I love to ask that is simply because of the fact that the topic has, even though it's been expansive, it's also been kind of focused on this culture and culture within the workspace thing is I want to ask you, what do you think that you're doing well within that space that you would like to do more of? or you would like to do better? Yeah, I would say more of identifying the needs on our team and then bringing in experts in those areas to invest in our team. It's simple. I just want to do more of that. And that that expands beyond the workspace. What do they need in life? Right. I mean, most of the investment that we're putting is not like, how do we do better shipping or better spreadsheets? It's more like, I mean, we've brought in people to teach around being like creating a to be list because we noticed that one thing with our team was like people are pretty successful and they're go-getters and they can make a pretty long to-do list and check everything off the box and feel really really worn out by the end of the day or feel overwhelmed by how many things they have to do right instead of their way of being and so we brought somebody in a coach to speak to our team one of the things i think we're all deficient in in life is listening we're all deficient in listening and that's one thing we're looking for the right coach to invest in our team around that space, around being better listeners, slowing down, really hearing and asking great questions to be able to understand what's really going on from those who are speaking to us or from the group, from the crowd, whatever it may be. So, which makes our team more empathetic, more compassionate, in my opinion, the better listener you are. Absolutely. Yeah. And then they, as a result, now listen to the consumer better, which is ultimately who as a company you need to provide for, aside from themselves. You 100% know? correct. Yeah. I mean, it all, that culture, I mean, it really, it, it matters. And I just love what you're doing. And I, I love the fact that your team has you as a resource for this stuff. And so much of it is just the being coachable. You know, you're helping them, you're helping them find coaches, you're finding them coaches, you're coaching them but so much of that stems from the fact that you just understand today that, that you need to be curious. So I want you to now tell me three things that you're grateful for today. Today, the first is definitely my family. I'm very grateful for them. I feel really honored that I get to care for them and they care for me. And there's just like this mutual learning. I've learned so much from being a dad and I've learned so much for being a husband coming up on 20 years this year, which is pretty crazy to say got married young and thanks thank you and the next would be i think nature 
is one of the things like this planet, like space, like all this stuff just blows my mind. The fact that we only understand 5% of the known world, like how it functions and operates, like what's possible? Like everything you see around you right now was architect, built, designed, your house you're in, that was only built with 5% of the known world. Only 5% of that knowing built what you see that's beautiful and amazing. It's not even just the environment, like the environment we've gotten to build, the stuff we've gotten to build, the creativity that we've released in the world. And I think that's the last thing I'm so grateful for is like making, creativity, building, taking something from nothing to something, right? That transition, that gap, building that bridge, I'm so grateful that we get to do that. It fills my soul. I'm not even a little bit surprised by that. I love them. They're different. Those are things people have not said, but it doesn't surprise me that those are yours. So I'm also going to say the three things that I'm going to choose to be grateful for today. And I'm going to open with the fact that I just have to mention how appreciative I am of a group of, well, multiple groups of people here in Austin, as I am still new, um, that make me feel a part of. They invite me to things. And it just means the world to me. And so it might be super simple, you know, for them. It may not be no, any big deal, but it just, I'm grateful for that, that there are people here that for some reason want to include me. I am also, let's see, what else? I am going to choose to be grateful for the fact that it is a Monday. We are recording on a Monday and I think Mondays are my favorite. I struggle between Sunday and Monday because I do this thing on Sunday where I like try to get a head start. I'm like, Haha, I feel motivated. I'm going to start now. But I love Mondays because Monday is like the world's reset, you know, and like the never miss a Monday attitude and all of that. I just, I love that like not only is Monday a new opportunity for me, but it's like the world seems to view it as like this refresh day. So I love that about the day that we're in right now. And then I think the third thing I'll be grateful for is just access to resources. The fact that I have clean water to drink. I mean, things like, like for some reason that just stands out to me of like, I have access to so many resources that allow me to have a quality of life that is just very high. Okay. So now I want you to tell the audience where they can find and support you. Yeah. Well, I mean, the first place is you can always hit up the gram, Nick Gooden official. If you have any questions or thoughts, need some support in some way. Please don't be afraid to reach out through DM. We're at icebarrel.com and you can always find us on Instagram as well. That's where if you have any questions that are cold therapy related, you should probably go first. Um, We have a phenomenal marketing team that loves to care for all of those who show up in our DMs. So they would be happy to answer your questions. I love it. Awesome. Yeah. And guys, those will be in the show notes. So if you want to have specific links and so on, just hop on down there and it'll be there. So other than that, I just have to do my individual ask. You can also find my socials and so on there as well. Other than that, if you enjoyed this episode and you got value out of it, I have to ask that you follow the show wherever you're listening, that you rate and review. And if you feel like someone in your life Some people in your life will get value out of something here. If you would, share it with them. And other than that, I just have to say that, Nick, I am grateful for your time. I'm grateful for your energy. I'm grateful for your friendship. It has been a gift to me, and I am excited to keep on having it and to keep on nurturing it. So 
thank you. And thank you to everyone who has chose to listen today. Your time is valuable. And I appreciate the fact that you've chosen to spend it with us. And other than that, I just hope you have a beautiful day. Awesome. Cheers, everyone.